Okay, so I got I got a couple more questions, uh, but they they may be short. Um, so hopefully it's pretty obvious to anybody that's listening to this point. I mean, you've put a ton of effort into the sport. Uh, I think that's probably you'd agree with to it. Um, and I think more than most people that that are in the sport, uh, you put a lot of effort to it. Just even if just duration, most people are not in the sport as long as as you or I've been in it. Most people is three, four, five years, uh, and they're gone. Um, and you've had, you've had ups and downs that, so my question though is, is, has it been worth it? Like, if you're just to, like, if you're just to look back on your career now, like, has it been worth the effort? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause from a, a hobby perspective, you know, it, maybe I frame it like this. I have a certain amount of time and dollars and want, right. That I can invest in any hobby I want to do. Right. I choose to invest my, those things into shooting. And if I didn't find value in that, I'd be off doing something else. Right. So I absolutely find value in it. And has it been a hundred percent fun ride? Absolutely not. And, and to me, that's part of growing as a person, right. You know, through this game, I started in, in 08, which I was, I think it was 29 or 30. And my vision was really good. And now I'm 44 and my vision is starting to take a dump, right? And, <laughs> and all of those iterations of that degradation over that time, that's been a sucky challenge to deal with, right? There's been plenty of times where another person would say, I can't see my sights anymore. I'm just going to quit. I'm going to do something yeah. else, right? Where to me, I'm like, man, this sucks. I can't see my sights right now. And you actually see me experience that at the last uh, Bighorn match. For whatever reason, at that point in time, I could not see my sights very well at all. And yeah. it was because they were a smaller sight configuration. And my, my vision, my focal speed slowed down just enough that I could not transition between target and sights very good. And I just couldn't see my sights really well. Was that match fun from that perspective? Yeah. Hell no, it wasn't. But yeah. that's just part of it. Like if it was easy, if I wanted to pick an easy hobby, I'd just go get a big box of Legos and then snap those bitches together and say, I won. <laughs> right? That's true. That's but true. That's not the type of person I am, right? There, there's a certain amount of, of, of struggle that's needed to achieve, right? And, yeah. and I, I like the struggle part, and it makes the achievements that much more rewarding. So yeah. when, I, when I can figure out, hey, how do I make my 44-year-old eyes work with iron sights? That's a challenge I need to solve, and that's what I've been working on. You know, and yeah. will there be a time where I just can't shoot iron sights anymore? Absolutely. And that means that there'll be a different challenge. Go switch over to shooting open or whatever. Right. Or maybe yeah. this time to hang it up. Maybe my knees are blown out or whatever. But I, I absolutely find value in it. And I think that more so the group of people that engage in this sport, I, I think that it's really hard to not enjoy that part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you go to any match, I mean, there's there's bad apples in any bunch, but there's way less bad apples in the shooting bunch than most of the other things I've done in my life. Yeah, yeah, I I, I tend to agree with you. As much as I hate the weeks, you know, the it's it's almost like the weeks that are terrible make it worth it because it's like, man, I gotta get better. Like if 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 you did just come out and like you were just like smoking every time you shot, it was just like all a's as fast as up with 15 splits at 20 yards all a's and and that was like you never even had to aim never thought about it, never did nothing that was just easy like the sport would probably get kind of boring uh and i, I mean i have those ups and downs obviously uh, i mean at least i have i have the ups and downs of weeks that it's good weeks that it's like man it's like you can't do it you can't hit anything right uh and uh it almost makes it worth it uh in the end just because it is it is a it is a challenge um, if you want a challenge, trying to be good at this sport is is tough. It's got to um, be balanced. Got to be balanced. Like it, I mean, I've seen through my tenure, I've seen three dudes get divorced and four dudes lose their jobs because of the sport. Because of their unbalanced, unhealthy engagement in the sport. Right. Yeah, and that's this is not like good. anything else. Like, and it, it, I don't want to say that that's the bane of shooting that's the bane of taking any hobby to a level that is unsustainable. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, yeah, you definitely got to know what you're, I mean, that's part of, I think that's to me, it's a, 
a for shooting affords you an opportunity to be introspective uh into like what because because there's no money in this sport virtually no money in this sport um you really have to figure out why am i motivated to do it uh mm -hmm. you know like like do i actually enjoy this do i do i enjoy the challenge of getting better is it worth it to to spend time away from from close my my family to spend time with my close friends uh and that sort of thing like like you really have to kind of figure that out if you're going to be in this for very very much time you you really got to look inside yourself and figure out why am I doing this? Um, and yeah, and you need to find out. I, I always if you I don't dremel on gun parts every day yeah. for doing stuff, and then I get to fix it. So. <laughs> That's the good, th the great thing about dremels and ruining stuff is that just means you get to break out the TIG welder. Oh yeah, and and then re-dremel it. That's mm -hmm. to me. That's the beauty of that sort of dremeling. It's not a dremeling until it's a re-dremeling. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> It's it's great. Once you got to break out the the welder, then you know you're doing Smith and stuff. Dremel mm -hmm. doesn't make you a real a real gunsmith. They say that it's the TIG welder that makes you a real gunsmith. There you go. Uh, okay. So we're get we're we're about to wind this down. But if a friend beats you, are you genuinely happy for them, or do you secretly wish you had poisoned their food at dinner the night before? I'm genuinely happy for him what i'm genuinely happy yeah yeah i i i am a spectator just as much as a competitor i like seeing people knock it out of the park that's awesome wow. just like i like i'm proud of you i'm proud of you do your friends okay, okay, talk shit okay, when okay, they whoa, beat whoa, you? wait 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 this hold on hold on hold on jason so this this may so the question is do you enjoy it more when your friends train wreck or when they knock it out of the park because if you like to be a spectator which one do you prefer? Mm. I'd say marginally on performing awesome is better. Like, because I've seen honest? spectacular train wrecks that are like awesome to witness. And then there's always those train wrecks where you see your buddies just ruining it and you're like, oh, you know, where it's painful to watch. Like, that's the only reason why the, the doing better is just a little bit ahead. Yeah. Because we've all we've all you know seen our buddy have that same kind of issue we've had in the past, and it's just miserable yeah. to watch. But we've also seen those amazingly horrific runs. <laughs> that no, are just that's like true. Watching a dumpster fire that you can't look away—that's part of your entry fee that you paid for, man. I I gotta I I I don't enjoy the train wrecks that that much. They even, but. I, I don't enjoy the train wrecks, but I probably tend to lean a little bit toward more towards I wished I had poisoned them the night before. Like like our buddy, like Panda and I have a mutual friend in Bob Crow. And mm -hmm. freaking Bob Crow, like he and I started the sport almost the exact same time. And that freaking dude kicks my butt all over the place. And Panda, he kicks your butt all over the place a lot too. It's because he's eight foot ten. He's eight <laughs> Yes, he's oh god, but man, hold on a second. I this love guy's taller than both y'all. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, he's like y'all are both seven. fairly tall. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, he's he's big boy, uh, and uh, or tall guy. I shouldn't say he's big. He's about my build, but he's just freakishly tall. Man, I love Bob, but when he kicks my butt, sometimes I just wish I could shoot him in the kneecaps. Like, how about you come down to my level and see if you can still beat me, boy? He probably still would, but yeah, I I, I struggle with that. I struggle inside with uh, whether I wished I'd poisoned him at dinner the night before. Sometimes I I try to act happy for him, but sometimes I'm not. I'm not as happy for him. Everybody's a does different. He, does he like to rub it in your face when he beats you? No, he doesn't. Bob is he's like Bob the most the, gracious dude ever. Yes, so that, just, that, that almost makes it worse. <laughs> Oh, it does. It does make it worse. Bob's the like he's the best guy in the sport. Like he's, yeah, he's awesome. Uh, we were having a conversation earlier. The best people who have never won nationals, Bob Crow is is very close to the top of that list. Man, yeah. Bob Crow, Manny Bragg. I struggle to find too many other people that that are on their level that haven't haven't won. Um, Bob's Bob's a great guy, and I really like Bob. Uh. Jason, you got I got one more question, but you got any more questions? Um 
do we want to quickly run down and see what you think, what Charlie thinks of the um, the rule, all the rule changes? Sure. Where are we at time wise? Uh, we're at an hour and eight minutes recording. Okay. So we're running a little long, but if we could, you know, I mean, what do you think, Charlie? Rapid, all the- rapid fire, yeah. Charlie. So, so for all the different rules that got deployed with like the gun weights and slide cuts and all that kind of crap, you know, I, maybe I can answer this from two different perspectives. So the first perspective is, is from a, a competitor perspective. <clears throat> I look at those rule changes as I don't give a shit, right? Because we're racing guns. And people have to have how much leverage to buy more gun stuff or guns? Zero. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. I don't I don't see welfare like bums trying to shoot matches, you know, begging for ammo because they can't afford to hop ups on their guns and that kind of shit. And the guys that whine about, oh well, I just bought these space pads and I can't use them or whatever. Those are the same guys that the next week they got a whole new bag of crap. Right. So the from a competitor perspective, I think that if the sanctioning body, in this case USPSA, is changing divisions in a manner that makes it easier to police, I'm all for it, right? And so from a match director perspective, I'm all for it because we're going away from a rule set that was virtually unenforceable at a club match level, right? Like this the whole weighing guns and okay, two ounces above this version of the gun or that gun, or you got this combination of parts and that kind of shit. Like if you don't have a a gun historian (laughs) at your match that doesn't shoot the match and just gets to finger bang everybody's gun (laughs) to make sure it's legal. That's the only way to enforce those rules. Well, guess what? 90% of the matches that happen are club matches. So why would we have a rule set that's unenforceable at the local level? Right? So, I'm all for, from a match director perspective, make my life easier, change those rules to make them easily enforced, right? And those changes that they made, that makes it easier to enforce. And and at a club match level, that doesn't make it more of a pain in my ass where I don't have to get that historian on a stage just to fiddle with people's guns to make sure that they're legal. So that's my quick answer on that. I mean, at a club level... was it was rules being enforced for the most part from uh, of any kind from, I mean, my equipment from my equipment right I can spot. say that every year I would deploy a chrono uh, an unannounced chrono stage that would wow. get mixed mixed uh, reviews <laughs> so, <laughs> but I I would at least keep it do it I, I kind of do it as a, a grace to the shooters before I would host the mile high showdown like in the month or two before the match to just say, hey, your stuff needs to be legit, right? And we would do a full-on chrono stage where we would chrono their ammo, look at their guns, check their holsters, check all the crap to make sure that it's legal. And was that a pain in the ass in the club match? Absolutely. And did me and other people have to donate their match day to do that? Absolutely. And that's just, it's not realistic from a club match perspective. In a major match, sure, you could staff that kind of thing. But if you would ask any competitor, Hey, do you want a chrono stage or do you want a normal stage? You pick. Where are they going to pick? They're, they're going to pick another normal stage, right? They want to do more shooting and less jacking around. I mean, what do you guys think of that rule change? Do you think that it, it markedly disparages the sport as it is? Well, for me, it's been so long. I mean, it hadn't really been all that long since this latest update, but I've kind of just let it go. I, I just, the, I, I, I hear the word production and I think off the shelf and it's so not off the shelf that it's beyond. And I shoot a gun off the shelf now. So I I admit, you know, I changed the trigger shoe and I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, changed the back strap. So I get all that. And, you know, two or three years ago, right when I was getting in the sport, um, you know, it was this, it was the Hammergate thing. And, uh, you know, (laughs) I, I understand everybody's saying, well, this hammer was legal on the shadow if it came from CZ Custom, but if you bought it from CZ Custom and put it on your shadow that wasn't from CZ Custom, it wasn't legal. That was a stupid one in my mind. But it, So I can understand some of the arguments. But, again, I think it was – we are no longer it, – it's, it, it, it is a gear race in your division. I mean, and I say that I shoot a light – 
polymer striker uh, gun. So I don't subscribe to the hammer. Uh, this week he does. I've been shooting it for several months, and all last year I shot a, a polymer striker gun. So um, I don't subscribe to the heavy gun, but you know, it, it, essentially it is a arms race in each division in my mind. Now, well, okay. I don't know well, that the top guy winning is worried about any of that shit, but as far as the general masses go, that's what it's turned into. Well, are, are we going to a competition match or a gun show get together i mean and and i don't mean that i mean it in a perspective of we're racing guns exactly right if we could say we're gonna race you know shopping carts right you think if you had a a national shopping cart racing league that there wouldn't (laughs) be hopped up wheels and special bearings and sure would be Anytime we are racing stuff in competition against other people, there is going to be an effort to optimize and find some kind of maximization of the performance of the tools of the trade. Yep. Right. So, and I understand the whole, Hey, it makes people to get easier into the sport to have production means you bring it off the shelf. And my argument for that has always been show me a brand new shooter that showed up to any match and was not competitive because of their gun. Exactly. Right. But that's everything else point, that makes them it? not competitive. It's not the boom stick in their hand. But right? doesn't that so, kind of make the point? Wasn't so wasn't wasn't a lot of guys g- g- coming showing up with their with their chopped up Glock and getting having their Glock nine millimeters and having to go shoot limited minor and then getting butt hurt because they weren't competitive. And then it seems like that why some of the rules got that may be why. Look, I've gotten over it and I've gotten past it. It's not production; it is a competition and of gear and of skill of skill. So it doesn't bother me anymore. I'm past it. I, I think it's way more biased to the skill, though. Like those, oh, yeah, those de- Gucci de- Glock guys have got some tacticaled out clock that's, you know, and they're shooting limited minor and it don't run. I, I and they whine about hey, well, you know, if I wasn't shooting minor, I'm like okay. Redo your score. I'll change your fucking score and give you major. Oh, look, you still fucking lost. I agree. Right? <laughs> it, it's not the gun. It's not the gun winning the race. Right? So Do we I'm gonna, functional guns? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to take just a slightly different approach because I, I kind of disagree with you on the on this, Charlie. Now, I, and I'm not necessarily speaking to a specific rule set, but I, I do believe that Current D D N R O D N R O I. Uh, make sure I get that right. There has been a pretty progressive degradation of the rules, um, and I think it's been a degradation of our sport um, in that trying to just loosen everything up. Just we want to we want to include everybody, so we want to make sure that everybody has, is available. They can come to the sport in this, so we're going to make it easier so that they can come do this. Um, yada yada yada. And I think there's, I think there's, has been a slow degradation of sport. I mean, like now that we've got in single stack, which is steel framed 1911s, like, I mean, like that, like that's, like that's one of the purest divisions we have. And I'm not, I sound like a massive, massive homer right now. And that's not the case. But, but now he's allowing uh, an STI with the polymer frame, like, like, okay, that's not a single stack. Like that, I mean, like, I mean, that's not a 1911. Like that's, so like, if we're going to do that, then let's allow just single stack column guns into it. If we're going to do like, so there's this, there's this just constant degradation and your idea that, okay, yeah, the local match, we can't police all this stuff. The the truth is who cares at a local, I mean, not, not totally who cares, but at a local match, like you're not policing it anyway. Um, and at the same time, like, absolutely it is though. Like the competitors police themselves. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. Then, then, the competitors, then they're going to call out somebody for having the wrong hammer. They're, the mm-hmm. competitors are going to complete themselves. And the other thing is, is that the the matches that the matches that matter when you go to a level two, a level three, or something like that of nationals, um, and you've been cheating at your local matches, they're going to catch you at those. Like because even, maybe they might not catch you at the first or the second one, but they will catch you eventually. Um, and the penalty is harsh enough that basically you're done, right? Like, yeah. like you're, you, you, you show up to production nationals and you've got an illegal gun. Uh, okay. You're, you just got kicked out of the match. I mean, you're still shooting for open. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, what my plan was going to be to go to the production nationals with it went open 
then I could be an open national champion. There you go. Uh, <laughs> like, like I, I feel like that, that th- with the, the competitors holding themselves responsible, uh, I mean, as far as like accountable for the other competitors um, and not, not, not putting up with, with, with nonsense there. And then just the, the, the punishment of cheating at the bigger matches where you will get caught. I mean, like, it's just, it's not worth it. Like the guys are going, like there are going to be guys that push the edge, but it's going to bite them. Right. We all, we all, we all knew those people that, that pushed like the production roles when there used to be production roles, they would push them to the absolute edge and it bit them. And so you had, that was part of the, that was, that was part of production is like, okay, no, it's not an off the shelf gun. Although CZ shadow two is pretty much off the shelf, ready to go. Um, an off the shelf gun, uh, it, it may not be that, but there were limits, uh, you know, to what you could do, uh, that made it kind of, that made that an attractive division, um, that you didn't have to go out and buy a $6,000 custom 2011 to feel like you were on a equal footing with the other guns in your division. Well, I think that USPSA is just responding to the division shifts there's seen, right? You see the shootings are gravitating more from the restrictive divisions to the unrestrictive divisions from a perspective, not so much round counter or anything like that, but more of like, what can, can I or can I not do to my shit, right? Like production is dying in Colorado here compared to carry optics. Like carry optics is probably the second most attended division here, second to limited, right? And a lot of those carry optics shooters were production shooters that wanted a taste of, hey, let me do some fiddle faddling on my gun and try this and that. And I want some more pew pews in there and, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, I think that the worst thing, you know, I, I think that it's a good thing that USPSA wants to assess the divisions and the rules within the divisions to, to like kind of grow with the market. Because, you know, as much as we think we affect the market, the gun market, we don't, right? We're kind of beholden to what the gun market wants to make and make money on, right? <clears throat> so I, I think it's important that USPSA is keeping a pulse on that, kind of, you know, vis-a-vis, hey, let's allow these plastic grip single stacks to happen because maybe the market's going that way. Maybe we can gain, you know, somebody spent money on that kind of gun. How do we get them into shooting our, our match? But I, I think a worse thing that we're doing... Don't with mess this, with my 1911s, Panda. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing is, is the fracturing of the competition with all these excessively different divisions, right? I, I think it's unfortunate that we've just always added divisions and we've never removed any, Boom. right? And what it really does oh, man, we're is... We're going to be here dilutes, another hour. No, we're not. <laughs> I mean, I think it just dilutes the the meaning, the meaningfulness of a title, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because if somebody can go into a and shoot limited ten and win a national title and say I'm a national champ, versus somebody that shot limited, that is, those are two different efforts, right? That, that is. Uh, it, it depends on how they. It depends on how they. Uh, it depends on how they schedule them. I mean, if you schedule sure. limited ten with limited. Yep. Then, then yeah, I I agree with that. Um, when they sometimes like if they schedule limited ten with product, like last year was limited in production. Um, you know, there were some pretty legit shooters in, in L ten. Um, I think enough to at least legitimize that as that year as an as a national title. Now, I I totally agree. Limited I, ten I should not ne- have a national championship. I think there needs to be a minimum depth of participation to define a title. Yeah. Right. And and I don't know what that magic number is. Is it 200 competitors in division? Is it 150? Is it 100? Is it two? I, you know, I think it needs to be, if we look at the past history of the nationals of the major divisions, which would be like production, limited and open in prior years, right? Those divisions regularly pull in hundreds of competitors, right? So we're defining in those divisions, we're defining the achievement of a national champion is this dude is number one out of 250, right? Whereas you have this other division, which would be like Revolver or Limited 10 or some of those obscure divisions, and it's first out of 50. Like, to yeah. me, that's horseshit. Well, right? okay, but okay, a little bit, but the, the volume number of shooters doesn't necessarily make it a legit title. 
It's how many good shooters are there. Um, because you could only have 50 shooters. And if you got 10 of the best people in the world there, then you, then, then that's a pretty, le- then that's a legit deal. Yeah. Um, so well, it, I mean, it's that, not that opens necessarily up a can the, of worms. Like, I, I don't think the nationals should be 700 shooters. Right. I think the well, national no. should be per division, like 50 of the best shooters. Well, I th- yeah, and then you're talking about a qualification system to go to nationals and all that. They don't want that because that's how they make their money. Uh, you're you're cutting oh, no. into USPSA's money. What? It's all about the money? It's, <laughs> well, for for headquarters, it is. Well, yeah, that's why they charge all for those classifiers and stuff. Gotta yeah, the exactly. Exactly. Okay, I got one last question. Um, we'll end on a on a positive note. What is the uh, what's the best part of USPSA? The people. The people. Yeah. The be- the socials part of it, right? This is a volunteer sport, and it brings in a-, a lot of people from a bunch of different creeds and races and backgrounds and, you know, occupations. And it brings us into a, a brotherhood of, you know, like-minded people, right? And I-, I think that that's the biggest asset that USPSA has. Okay, so now, okay, well, who's the top three people for you in USPSA? Well, sure, it's Jeremy Reed. Right, And then there Jeremy we go. Reed, and then you your it. other brother, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a top people, because there's different, like, wherever you go, like, I've shot around the country enough that there's awesome dudes all over the place. Yeah, there right? really are. And, yeah. and I think it's unfair to say, oh, this one person is, is the best dude in the universe, and maybe from that person's perspective that's true but maybe their perspective is a lot smaller than the nation right well, yeah that's why i was know, just like asking we were talking about bob crow it's it's very hard to find another competitor like bob crow that is you know as gracious as him as skilled as he is you know as involved as he was that kind of thing there's yeah. bob crows all over the nation right we just don't know I, him yet i don't know but i think bob i don't know if there are i hope i kind of hope there's not bob crows all over the nation I don't know if the nation can handle a whole bunch of Bob Crows in it. <laughs> I mean, Billy's the only one that can handle handle Bob, I think. Uh, Billy's so, Bob's girlfriend. Jason, um, can I ask you a question? Sure. So what what would you consider your number one issue right now in your practical shooting skill set? Man, that's tough. Um First two things that come to mind are I feel like I would li- I'd like to get better at transitions. Um, uh, that's something I'm focusing on now. I would like to be more precise, more pinpoint, and maybe even get a little faster at it. But um, And then I would say maybe consistency. So from a transitions perspective, what? how do you observe that failure? Like, here's a, here's a couple of examples I see people failing in their transitions is they drive the gun over to the next target really hard, but it over registers and you have to bring the gun back. Is that something that you experienced? Yeah. So I've found in my own training and the students that I've trained is that if you are over registering the target, you're usually transitioning primarily with your arms instead of your legs, right? Or you're pointing at targets that are well outside your cone of fire. So your, your effective cone of fire, it's usually defined by the point of your toes. So if there's targets that you're pointing your gun at that are outside of your toes, Mm -hmm. they're usually outside of your cone of fire. And if so, what the first thing I would suggest is a get the targets within your cone of fire and then B transition with your, with your legs instead of your arms. And the unfortunate reality of that is if you have a proper shooting stance, that's wide and deep enough to use your legs, that is not a stance you can maintain for a very long time. Right. So a good litmus test for you is if you run into a shooting position and engage some targets and just stay stock still and ask yourself, honestly, could I stand here all day or for an extended amount of time without any kind of leg fatigue? You are not low enough. You could not use your legs because you are not low enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, So the next time you go out and do some live fire, even dry fire practice, try a little bit wider and deeper stance and keep your targets within your toes. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then you should see a lot better of, of a precision of a transition as you move the gun onto the next target. The, the, 
the unfortunate mistress of transitioning with your arms is we can usually transition with our arms off of the target really fast, just as fast right. as using our legs. But we absolutely do not have the precision of stopping the gun on the next target. We'll always have that over-registration happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll try that. Thank you. So your next one was consistency? Yeah. So from uh, what perspective? Well, I'm a... I'm a guy that likes to burn it down, and yeah, um, I like that. I, yeah, I like to burn it down and let's get the chicks. Let's get the chicks. But I, I've 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 been proving to myself, and I know this that if I just go out there and don't slow down and get my hits, none of that stuff. But if I just shoot controlled, um, I'm not really thinking of the best way to explain this. But if I just shoot, uh, if I don't try to go past my ability, then I'm going to do I'm going to do really well and be almost impossible to beat. Um, so, I mean, that's what I try to focus on, but then there's times where I go out there and might just, you know, go ahead and try to turn that knob to 11 and, so, um, okay. So that's, I got to ask a couple of different questions here. Okay. So what's triggering the need or want to turn it to 11? Is it seeing somebody else do a run or yeah, you, no, like, well, hey, this, this skill set's really in my wheelhouse. I'm going to burn it down or. No, it's, you said something earlier that I thought was really, really good that I have never, ever thought of, you know, and, and definitely got me something. So I've been shooting for three years. I started out classified as a, ma a master. I'm a grandmaster now. Um, but I dealt with a lot of times um, uh, not having the realistic pace in mind. And then when the buzzer went off, all that adrenaline dumped. And then you're sitting there trying to match that what you did in dry fire in your mental rehearsal or and, and or dry fire for that mm -hmm. stage. And then, like you said, you're like, holy shit, this is taking a lot longer. And now you, you got that clock going. Oh, you're slow, man. You're so slow. You've got to speed this up. And then a train wreck or, or you miss something or overrun a spot. And then you what do you try to do to correct that? You go even harder. So that was part of it. I feel but I feel really good about I've gotten that down. I've gotten past that. I'm, I'm, I'm past that point now. Um, there are times where I still try to push probably a little harder, but. I've been working on that too, to where I'm, you know, realizing that the time, I don't have the time consistency uh, problem anymore because I realized that I've just, I've gotten better at ignoring it, that yeah. uh, the feeling and, and sometimes, yeah, you're going to process it. Yes, exactly. I looked at the wrong spot or like you said, I transitioned with my arms and overswung and had to come back. Um, but I just, I get back on the plan. So, so, so that kind of start, like I battled this, for at least two years of there's some preconceived schedule, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm either on schedule, I'm ahead of schedule, I'm behind schedule. And anytime there's a quote unquote schedule of events that makes us hurry or rush, right? Because our, our natural tendency is like, I don't want to be behind schedule, I'm going to be ahead of schedule, right? And if anything bad happens in that run, now you're immediately behind schedule and you're going to sacrifice things to try to get back on schedule. So it, it's important to understand that there is not a schedule. Right? And that is super tough. Like there's a lot of times where I'll do a stage run and I won't look at the timer and I'll ask myself honestly, what was that time? And I won't know. Like today, I don't know. Was that 10 seconds? Was that 12 seconds? Was that eight seconds? I don't know because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. It, the mm -hmm. time is what it is. And if some fuck up happens during that run, there's no additional, I can't manufacture additional performance to fix that. Right. That is donated. There's no getting that back. All I can do is just do what I got to do. Yep. Stay in the present tense and get it done. So it, you need to ask yourself deep down, am I applying? Like if I go look at my buddy shoot the stage and he did it in 10 seconds. Am I now applying a 10 second schedule to my run? And if you are, yeah. right. that's super painful, buddy. I don't watch, I try not to watch shooters shooting the stage before me. Um, so just for that reason, I try not to get any kind of uh, uh, set, something I've got to match or, or beat. And even when I, and when I train, I don't even look at the timer anymore. 
I never, I don't, I, I mean, unless I'm doing something where I need to look at the timer, every once in a while I will go, okay, how was that transition to this target? Or, uh, you know, but for the most part, I'll run something and I just process it. Was that a good run? Oh, no, you, you know, you missed your grip. So you had to be a little bit more disciplined with your sight picture initially and then your trigger pull. And then, yeah, you missed coming out of that position, um, whatever. Or you, you know, you dropped down way too much to preload to run out of the position. Whereas if you'd have been ready, that could have saved you a little bit. So, I mean, I'm able to process that. I'm getting better at that. Will I be better at that, all that stuff a year from now if I keep going? Yeah, but uh, I'm seeing the progress in that stuff. But I've never thought about the schedule thing because um, while you were saying that, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, dude, that's me in every aspect of my life. If I've got to be at a buddy's house at 1 o'clock and I screwed the pooch and watched that last episode of, you know, whatever, um, and now I'm rushing to get it. I'm sitting here. Oh shit! I caught this light. Well, now I'm, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna speed a little bit. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> I gotta and run the next red light. I got. I don't. Yeah, I won't run it, but I got it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yep. Uh, you know, and I'm just trying to. And I, and I, I get that tension. Uh, it builds up, and I definitely can feel that I'm um, rushed, and and rushed is the worst thing for you. Uh, when, yep. You know, when you're shooting a stage. Sounds like buying a motorcycle is a really good plan for you, Jason. Dude, I want to buy, and I'm probably going to buy it. I don't care. <laughs> I'm probably going to buy that motorcycle. It's just oh, a, boy. It's just a dirt bike, you know, or an enduro. It's the schedule. It's super tough to ditch that schedule, but if you can ditch the schedule, and what it, what really it does, for me, what it did is it made me own my confidence and my skills. Yes. To, yeah. to know. I am transitioning the gun to my best of ability. I'm pulling that trigger to the best of my ability. I'm running as hard as I can. I know I'm doing those things, and that's okay. Yeah. That's good enough. Yeah, and, and I've had to tell myself, I've had to tell myself, and I've talked to Jeff about this on the range. I said, dude, I have to tell myself that, that my fast is fast enough or that my good is, is essentially another way of saying my good is good enough. I, I go, don't try to push this faster. Just do it. Just do it. It will be fast enough and, 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 and ignore anything that's trying to push you or slow you down. I've got a question since we're talking about this real quick. We're running kind of long here, but um, uh, do you find yourself – see, this is something I'm struggling with. So um, tonight I practiced, and I was not happy with my dry fire transitions. And I was like, okay. but So I, now I'm at this point where I'm having to fight – do top level guys, do guys better than me, um, still have the problem with where they over transition? Absolutely. I would think the answer is yes. Okay. Or, or gripping the gun. Or, or gripping the gun. Drawing the or, gun. Or, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you're just like, so I'm having a, yeah. Through my, like, here, here's a good example of what something is, is I don't want to say simple, as basic as calling your shots, of seeing what you need to see. Like through my tenure of this game, I've had to relearn how to call my shots at least four or five different times. Wow. And that's simply because of how my focal speed has changed as I've aged. Huh. Right. And that's just one skill. Like I've had two different neck, like blown out discs in my neck that affected my strength and feeling in both of my hands. I did completely relearn how do I grip the gun? Right? How do I feel the trigger with my my trigger finger is half numb? How do I feel that trigger with it being half numb? So, as we progress as humans, we're, even though we're always chasing that next level of performance, we also have to, you know, fix the things that fail. Right? We're going to have, you know, biomechanical problems. Right? Our knees aren't getting any younger. Our eyes aren't getting any younger right? Our bellies are usually getting bigger, whatever, right? We're battling all of those things and we always need to reinvent the wheel. Like how I draw the gun today is absolutely not the way I draw the gun three years ago, right? You have to reassess that stuff on a regular basis and find out, well, okay, now if I can push my hand speed to this rate, it requires a different way of gripping the gun, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. When you, even before you get it out of the holster, like so there's always going to be that progression. And it, I think the guys like the, the like permanent or forever B-class dudes that we see at almost all the matches we go to, those are the guys that learn a skill one way and then they're done. Yeah. Oh, that's how you draw the gun. I'm going to always draw the gun the same way and I'm never going to reassess that. This is how I align my sights. This, this is how aggressively I can shoot. They, they have this once-and-done mentality 
that, oh, I learned it. I learned it. What's the next thing? I learned it. I learned it. Oh, now I know how to shoot. And they never reassess any of that stuff. And that's why they're career B-class dudes. Right. Yeah, I think the top of the sport is always evolving. Like the guy, the guys at the top, even if they're the same guys that are winning, the sport's still evolving and and always will be evolving. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that that goal, if if you have if you have your goal of to beat Ben or beat Nils or beat JJ or Max or whoever you want to whoever you want to put up there, the problem with having that goal is that the goal keeps moving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That goalpost keeps getting taller. Uh, so it gets it gets more challenging, which is a good part about the sport. I think you know if it was just a three hundred, you were bowling, you're just trying to hit a three hundred. It's like okay, what do you do once you hit three hundred? Uh, you're kind of there. Um, well, that I mean that's the of, challenge of shooting a, a, a you know competing in a sport that's, that never has a perfect score. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's one of the beauties to me. That's one of the beauties of hit factor scoring. I mean, my beef with people using other people as targets of goals is that nobody, no two people have the same level of participation, right? So if, like, if I were to set a goal and say, I am going to go out and beat J.J. Rikaza, I'm going to beat him, he's my goal, I need to have a level of participation that is in excess of him, at a minimum, to even have an opportunity of beating that guy, right? You know, like, or we could say, we're going to try to beat Ben Stoger or Eric Rafael or any of those top shooters, you need a level of participation that is likely unrealistic and unsustainable and not rewarding. Right. Do you, right. do you really want to mortgage your house to buy a train load of primers? Probably not. Right. And, and what do you do if you don't reach that goal? That, I mean, well, absolutely. I right? mean, okay. I invested the, the next three years into dry, trying to beat magical top level shooter guy. And I lost my house, lost my job, and got divorced. Was it worth it? Right? <laughs> I mean, I, if I win the Powerball, maybe that's a different story, right? right. Then, then your circumstances change. But I, I don't think that they're handing out those Powerball tickets to everybody. Well, yeah. they hand out so, the tickets, just not the winning tickets. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so real quickly, uh, since we've kind of talked about this, and we're already running super late, what's, what's another few more minutes? What do you think on natural talent? Is it a thing? Natural talent. I, I think that natural talent gets m- confused with with people's styles, right? Like Jeremy shot with me a lot. I can shoot super fast. I can shoot super aggressive. I can transition super aggressive. A big part of that is because I'm a big dude and I have very strong grip strength. Those two attributes in itself, regardless of any kind of shooting talent, promotes being able to manage recoil better and shoot fast. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. I think that every person has their own positive attributes that could be considered uh, a natural talent. Like they're a talented shooter. They didn't have to do a certain thing. But there's also things that people are retarded in, Right that they have to learn the hard way around fixing. So, you know, there's plenty of shooters that, like a good example would be our buddy Bob Crow, right? Bob Crow is a phenomenal shooter. What's the best finish he had at the Nationals, third or fourth in limited? Yeah, at, he's. I know he's been top three. At like 96% of the way. Yeah. Okay, and this is, this is a, a, a dude that shoots for fun, right? He's not a professional yeah. shooter. Some no. people would consider him as a, a natural talented shooter but the thing that is missing if you don't really understand bob and his history of firearms he's been shooting all his life right he's been shooting all kinds of different guns and different sports and different things and he has a different level of participation that some other people don't have like he lives out kind of like out in the middle of nowhere and he can just practice wherever he wants right i can't I can't just run out my backyard and start blasting. I have to drive 50 miles to fucking shoot, right? My circumstance is different than his, right? So I think it's hard to, to lump people into saying, oh, they're, they're a naturally talented person. I, I think that that gets confused with people's inherent attributes. You know, just like I don't like low ports, right? <laughs> I'm a big dude. I'm 6'4". I don't like doing low ports, 
but I'm pretty sure that somebody short like Gary Coleman, they probably love those low ports, right? So, I mean, that's, I don't, like, I don't really buy into the natural talent thing. I, I buy into See, the is wrong because those physical <laughs> attributes are part of the natural part because you were naturally born with those physical attributes. And so those, that becomes natural talent. <laughs> so obviously Panda's wrong. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And that's fine. But he, he, I mean, he's from Colorado. He probably smokes dope all the time and he doesn't think straight anymore, right? He's got bad eyes. So he's dealing with glaucoma and he needs, he needs all Which the Which means he smokes more that. dope. So exactly. it's even worse. Exactly. It's even worse. That's so, Jeremy, right. now it's your turn, buddy. What are your current maladies? Me? Your skill set. Yeah. Oh, I just, I'm, I'm retarded. Like, that's just, like, I'm just not a smart, I'm just not a smart person. And so, like, it just, it's just so life's it a struggle like, for me. Started this thing you were talking about, major match pressure, right? So, is that one of them, or? Uh, it... I mean, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I mean, definitely, definitely trying to bring the, I mean, I think, I mean, it's pretty rare that somebody uh, performs at, at a big match, whatever their big match is for them, but at a big match, it's pretty rare that somebody will perform as well there as they do in practice. Um, I don't, I don't know many people that that do. Um, uh, I mean, mine is just I'm too slow, and so I'm just trying to find ways to get faster every way I can, uh, and through that, not be, uh, not have a ton of mistakes through that. Um, slow in what? Oh, I'm too slow at everything. No. I can't draw fast. I can't oh, transition shit, fast. I can't split like a fast. Boss. I can't move fast. I can reload a gun, which that's really doesn't even honestly. That's I super don't important. Know single stack. You got like thirteen reloads on every stage. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. Uh, no, I, I mean. No, but so here's a question for you. So, do you, if you go to a major match, like one that you consider that's super important, like you've been to the World Shoot, you've been to the Nationals, you know that level of match, does mm-hmm competing in that match with your competition is that a positive or a negative to your performance um like, seeing that it, competition think, directly get your game up or does it like make you start second guessing what you're doing uh i honestly it's it's both uh and it kind of de- sometimes it just depends on it depends on what you see uh i i do feel like if, if you are you know the rising tide ra- raises all boats so to speak um you know it if you are fortunate to shoot like on a super squad or you shoot with the guys that are really good, um, you tend to kind of raise to their level a lot. Some people do. Some people, I guess, I guess will crater in that situation. Um, so I, I do think that that's part of it. Um, at the same time, sometimes you see, I, I do, there are, there are sometimes like uh, limited 10 nationals this year. Of course, Casey Reed uh, is, he should have won that. He should have won uh, that match. But you know, he's his read is R E E D. My read is R E I D. Uh, so I get to go after him. Um, and and man, Casey was shooting the match of his life this year. Uh, he had a few few gun issues that cost him the title, but he was he shot the best match. I mean, uh, of, he didn't win, but he shot the best match. Tantos um, have gun issues. Oh, uh, it, I wouldn't. <laughs> well. I wouldn't blame it on the. It wasn't the Tanfo. Uh, it was. Oh, it was the Federal Ammo. Oh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It was. Uh, oh, he had okay. a sight shear. He had a sight shear in half. Um, which, oh, that sounds like a gun problem. I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, that's a. That's a problem that I don't necessarily totally blame on any sort of company or anything like that. But, um, but anyway, um, you know, he was. Of course, he was a shooter right before me. Uh, and and he was just laying the smackdown on 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 every run, and I was watching. I'm I'm a score watcher. I like to watch scores partly because I am a spectator. Like so, I'm like I just want to see what's happening, um, whether that's good or bad for my score. I just I want to know what's I want to know who's winning. So I want it, like I'm updating facts and all that. But I did I did have to catch myself like after three or four stages watching Casey just burn the stages down. It's like okay, I got to start watch. I got to stop watching him, like, shoot the run before, like, right before I'm making ready, like, seeing him mm-hmm. burn it down. Uh, that was – I had to I had to stop watching him um, partway through the match. It's like, okay, that's, 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 that is adding to your pressure. But it's – I think it's a little bit just being cognizant of – like, I don't think people pay attention to what – when they're getting stressed. Like, they, like they just – all of a sudden, they, they may notice later, oh, I was really stressed then. Um, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily notice it 
when it's happening. And so they don't, so then they don't identify what's causing them to be stressed. Uh, and, and then they, at that point you can't make an adjustment if you, if you don't try to identify it before. So I, so I, I try to be fairly cognizant of, of what I'm, what I'm experiencing emotionally, uh, so that I can kind of, okay, I need to, I'm feeling lazy. I need to kind of ramp it up. Like I need to, like, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm laying back too much or it's like, you know, I'm too amped up. I need to, I need to try to relax a little bit, uh, and that sort of thing. So I have, so I understand that the spectator part of it, I'm, I liked watching the top guys perform just the same as you, mm-hmm. but have you thought about this? Have you said, Hey, Hey, Mr. Squad mate, can you film, you know, Casey Reed's run while I'm getting ready to shoot next? Uh, and then yeah. you don't observe it that way yeah. you have that spectator aspect. You have that captured. You could look at that later, but you can get out of that mindset of the chase right yeah like i would suggest deploying that i've done that myself it matches where i'm like there's somebody just burning it down burning it down burning it down and that's causing a distraction for me uh, if i can't not you know like stay engaged like that i'll say oh i gotta use the restroom right now hey can you film this guy's run for me yeah like i still want that research that recon of how did he do it can i learn something from his performance you know i want that and that's like for me that's why i want to spectate you know i want to learn how to do stuff better right so mm-hmm. that's a method that you could use to capture that recon, but have it in, a, in an offline manner that doesn't affect your performance right then and there. Sure. Sure. And I will say the other thing that like part of what I'm working on is, is I actually want to get past that. Like I, I, it's actually a little bit of practice to watch that and have it not affect me. Um, mm-hmm. So rather than just, rather than just completely take it away, it's like, okay, I know I need to get used to just, seeing these guys shoot like this and realize, okay, yeah, he shot like that. Fine. I can do the exact same thing. Um, so it's a little bit, it's a little bit of that. It's like, okay, yeah, I realize maybe, maybe this match, uh, is not, maybe this match I may not be able to put, I may not put everything together, but hopefully that using that match as training going forward, um, for, for future matches. And I can just be used to that. Um, so there is that too. Um, and, and yeah, it's handing off your phone and let somebody else do it. And then you can watch it afterwards. Uh, would be a would be a good idea as well. You gotta stop looking at the scores, dude. I save love for, looking at scores. Save, save that for after the match is over, dude. There's no, plenty of time to be calm after the match. Uh, no, man, I want to know what the scores are. I love that. They got to teleport your ass back to the days when it was all paper scoring and nobody knew the match results for like three days until after the match. Oh gosh, I remember those <laughs> days. Those were the worst. Man, those those days sucked. No, I I man, I like like I'm following like I'll be like watching like of course I don't have cable so like I'm a big tennis fan so I'm watching like or I'm following like uh well I'm working like the Australian Open like the majors um in tennis and of course I can't watch it so all I can do is like ESPN like it just updates like this person's up forty love this person's now it's forty fifteen like it's just it's just updating scores sometimes it'll update strokes but it's just updating like single points. And I sit there and refresh my computer like every 30 seconds. Like, who won the next point? Oh, crap. They're tied in this game. Who won the next point? And I'll just sit there like, man, I love score watching. Like, I just, I just, <laughs> I want to know what's happening when it's happening. Uh, so, is that I, your favorite part of USPSA? Uh, I mean, I think, well, I mean, maybe from the standpoint, the fact that, that, that it's, there's that and that I'm somewhat involved in it. Like, I'm not, I'm not quite to the point where I'm competing for a title. Um, but I'm close, like I'm close enough to like at least win stages at nationals and be competitive in there. And so it's, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a way to be, to participate in a sport at that level. Um, I mean, for me, there's, I, I tend the best part of USPSA has to be the, the people I've met. I mean, it's, it's really like, that may not be your main motivation for doing it, but in the end, I think that's what, I mean, guys, guys like Bob Crow, Michael Poggi, uh, Panda, you know, the guys on the podcast, I've got, man, I got friends all over the world now from shooting, shooting a couple of world shoots. And, um, man, it's just, there's, I, I know so many people all over this country, uh, that I just would have never met. So that, that's definitely part of it. I mean, I need the competitive outlet, uh, the drive to, to try to exceed, uh, and to get better at something like that's always going to be there. So whether I quit the sport or not, the need is the same, whether I'm doing where it's this or golf. And so for me, that's kind of why I just stay in shooting. 
um, because I can might as well keep doing what I'm I'm okay at at this point. Let's see if I can get see if I can actually get good at it at some point. Maybe I can, maybe I can't, but at least I'll try. Um, so, so I got right. a question for you. Okay. So when you you build these awesome 1911s for that look phenomenal, uh-huh. like the work that you do is awesome. But when you go to matches, you kind of have these like your guns are like I, I kind of associate it with like mechanics, like car mechanics. You'd think that they had to have the coolest, best cars in the universe, but they usually have like the beaters that are just barely limping along. Yeah. But they can keep them limping along and they're reliable. Right. Yeah. I would kind of associate that with like how you, <laughs> your guns look at the range. Like I find that such a big enigma, but I guess maybe that just is where you boil it down to like what really matters from a performance perspective or not. I mean, yeah. Uh, you tell me. Yeah. That's, I mean, for sure. Uh, I, I actually just finished. Um, well, I'm, I still got to I still got to put a finish on it, but like I am just finishing building myself a new carry gun, uh, and it's a it's a like I'm really excited about it. Like it's really nice. It's a 2011 Commander with a nine mil and 38 super barrels. Um, it's it's gonna be great. Like I'm really excited about it, and that's gonna be like that will be a nice gun. A lot of my other guns they started out nice, and then I just beat the crap out of them. Uh, like like you you just like they just. It just happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, so at this point when I'm building myself at 50,000 rounds a year, like, I mean, you, you got to have, you basically got to have a, a new gun every other year, at least, uh, mm-hmm. just, I mean, a hundred thousand rounds and that's, and the guns, the guns pretty yeah. wore out at that point. Yeah. So if you're shooting at 50,000 rounds a year, then you got to have a new one. And at this point I've had, and it, so basically I've, with that, then just replacing guns, but then getting enough guns you need two limited guns two single two well i need four single sex i need two and 40 and then two and nine uh and you know you end up with a with a bunch of guns um i've almost had to build myself a gun a year uh so that's that's taking time out of my schedule to to i just can't shoot somebody else's gun like that's i have a tough time doing that um <laughs> but from that from that born like i that from what was born out of that was what i, I now offer like a match grade gun which is yeah, where I go in and the cosmetics, um, they really don't matter. Uh, like they're just, it's the cosmetics kind of go out the window, and it's just what is what pertains to function. And I say cosmetics go out the window. By that, I I still think they look cool, and I still kind of want to do cool stuff. I mean, I my guns are where I get to experiment. Uh, like like if I want to try something new with machining, see if this will work, I'll try it on my gun first when I'm building a new gun. Sometimes it looks good, sometimes it looks terrible. Um, but no, I came up with like a with a match grade gun, which is yeah, basically it has the same performance as as my normal guns, my premium grade guns. Um, but file marks may stay in it, the lines may not be perfect on it, that sort of thing. But still, still the same quality of gun, um, I think. But one that's more born to get beat up, and maybe less likely to get put in a shadow box. I hate that guns get put in shadow boxes. They should all be carried and beat up, but it happens. Okay, dollar amount. STI wants you to shoot their plastic grip 1911. Oh, piss. In single stack division? Yes. Oh, piss. It's six figures. <laughs> what? Six figures? <laughs> wow. I got to be able to, I got to be able to, I have to quit my, I have to be able to like completely quit my job and do nothing but train. Uh, for because me to of do the, that. the inferior plastic grip, you'd have to overcome that or? Uh, I mean, there's well, there's that. I do believe it's inferior because uh, it's not how Joe's, John Moses Browning designed it. Uh, <laughs> I just like the like the concept of that gun in in single stack division. Just it gets my goat. Like it just I I think it's just pandering to a, a gun manufacturer that doesn't want to build. Doesn't he actually? SCI doesn't hardly even want to be in the game anymore. Like they don't. Yeah, all don't their either. all of their stuff is is geared towards tactical tendencies now. They don't want to yep. be in the sport anymore, and we're going to tailor our rules to them. Forget that. Yep. There's maybe enough other a, 1911s out there. Maybe that's what USPSA needs to do. They need to make a tactical single stack division. Don't 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 give them any ideas. If they think they, they can know, make money they, off they, of they it, they'll do more it. More divisions, right? God, they <laughs> they love more divisions. That's their favorite. That's their favorite. All right. 
I think this has probably been it's, long enough. Yeah, we we yeah, it's been a it's been a long one. We may look at breaking this one up. Yeah. So, uh, well, thanks well, for having Panda, me. On, thanks guys. for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun, and uh, time. I got to get up early tomorrow, so I gotta I gotta hit the hay. I'm old. <laughs> uh huh. All right, guys. Well, hope you enjoyed it. Um, Charlie, can they reach you anywhere if you want to be reached? Yeah. So um, if you want to get get a hold of me and check out my training, I wrote a book. Uh, you can get on my website. Uh, it's uh, bigpandaperformance.com. So you can check that stuff out there or just see me at the range. Hopefully we can all get back to shooting matches after this COVID thing blows over. That would be great. Hopefully. All right, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Oh, stop recording, damn it. <laughs>